Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in to the Awesome Book Club Podcast. I'm Rhett. Hey, during this episode and two others, we are going to be reading and discussing The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank. This is an absolute must-read, and of course, it is one of the most enduring books of the 20th century. If you need to get your hands on this, you can do it on Amazon for less than two bucks. So no excuses, get on with it. Anyone who doesn't yet know... The Diary of a Young Girl was written by an adolescent, Anne Frank, as she is in hiding from the Nazis with her family. She is a young spark of life, and her writing will have you burning through pages. That being said, if you guys are listening along or reading along and you want to chime in with your interpretations or give us your ideas or smack us on the back of the head for something dumb we might have said, you can tweet us. We are at Awesome Book Club. And if that isn't enough, you can write us a letter or email us abc at airpodcast.com and with that should serve as a reminder that this is a book club and that is your invitation to join in the conversations that we want to be having and to share in this experience of going through this book with us especially if it's your first time like it is ours and with that guys i won't hold you any further we're going to discuss the diary of a young girl by anne frank Is it weird how open, I was thinking this, how open like courting and dating was back then? And like she was entertaining like multiple boys at the beginning, <laughs> which I was like, good for you. Well, so That's there's, like not even a thing anymore. There's that aspect, but then there was the aspect of like, it made it seem like kissing was the same as sex. Right, yeah. Like, well, like you could be courting multiple girls at the same time or whatever, or vice versa, like girl courting mul- multiple boys. But you can't kiss him. Otherwise, you might as well be married. Well, she kissed Peter <laughs> in front of her family, didn't she? Like, there was a couple occasions where I thought maybe that they had kissed occasionally in front of them. And granted, like, so. she describes her first kiss with Peter. It's still a kiss on the cheek. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. It's, like, even even more, like... See, they're more... S- I think they're more reserved. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're more reserved about it, but at the same time... I don't know. It's interesting because it's like something that like we don't ever teach our kids anymore. I don't think. Like, did your parents ever talk to you about dating girls? I mean, a little bit, but not. Did yours? Hmm. See, mine didn't either. And then that's how kids get into trouble. And you have like fourteen-year-olds who are pregnant, you know, because like <laughs> yeah. there's this like lack of dialogue back and yeah. forth. But like, you know, like she has a very frank discussion with her father about Peter and her. Yeah. Which I was like, that would never happen. I mean, you know, I I asked Bailey's dad like permission to like date her. But that's because, like, I knew he expected it, and Bailey expected it, and I just wanted to do right by them, you know? I think that she... But she doesn't have the conversation with her father easily. She only no, has it because Peter says, oh, I can talk to my parents about that. And she's like, what? Right. Well, and it all starts with, like... Well, yeah, they have the conversation, and then she, like, writes a, a note to him. Yeah. And it's not an easy conversation, but that's the point. It's like, yeah. I don't think our parents wanted to have those hard conversations with us, yeah. you know? And it's weird, because I notice a lot of differences in terms of dating then and now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and maybe it's sure. just because, I don't know, Europe, but... Yeah. But it's interesting, because, like, could you imagine... Like, I... Uh, people would be so upset with a girl nowadays, a 14-year-old girl... Like, imagine you, like, really liked this girl back then, and, and she's, like, t- you. she lets you take her out to the ice cream parlor, but then the next day she's going to the 
roller rink with yeah, you know, what's, Billy. What's funny though is like I know my mom told stories about when they were in high school, like girls would be on, they would do multiple dates with this with different guys in the same night, kind yeah. of. Yeah, you know, it's just very casual. Yeah, like we're just gonna see how this works, and there's no like serious. I think now we're like much more like, all right, I want to date you, and like. You know, maybe we're gonna get married. Like we're already, <laughs> like we're already kind of thinking like that. You know. Yeah. But back then it was much more, and maybe that's why like kissing was reserved for like, this is serious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Whereas yeah. now we're much more loose in that aspect, but more serious initially. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. It's kind of weird. Yeah. What's funny is she d- uses the term "go out" in this a lot, which is funny because like my parents and our teachers made me believe that that was a term that our generation, like, invented. Mm-hmm. You know, because they used to say, like, go steady oh, or, yeah. or regular, you know? Like, mm-hmm. hey, you want to go steady with me? Like, do you want to be my girlfriend or boyfriend yeah. or whatever? Um, we go whereas, like steadily. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Whereas we use, like, hey, do you want to go out with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, back to them, was, like, do you want to go on a date? Mm-hmm. But she uses it in the book, like, oh, yeah. I went out with, you know, or I'm, and he's like, you want to go out? And she's like, blah, blah, blah. But she uses go steady and regular and blah, 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 too. But yeah, it's just interesting. There's some, I just love the beginning where she's, I love it all. She, she kind of has this almost arrogance, but it's so cute. Yes! Yeah. Where she's just like, these guys, of course, if they talk to me, they'll just start showing up in my house all She's the time. She's a freaking firecracker, And they'll man. just want to, like, yeah. they'll never go away. They'll always want to carry my stuff because they like me. But then it's it's kind of an imbalance, too, because then she talks about Peter, who's kind of this older guy. Yeah. It's a different Peter who she likes and then eventually decides kind of to stop talking to her. Yeah. And she's like, oh, he must have thought I'm just some... Kid. goofy kid and yeah. he didn't take me seriously so she kind of waffles between being a hundred percent sure of herself i'm on top of the world everyone's gonna like me too i'm nothing I'm, and it's well, very it's very relatable and that's a constant dialogue she has with herself throughout the entire book in all aspects you know yeah. like she talks about um you know, like you're saying, like all these boys are after me, but then she also talks about how she thinks she's really ugly or like she's really sure of herself when she's in front of people and they like tell her she talks too much or something and she gets like really mad and like starts throwing fire back at them. But then she's like, but deep down, you know, like I'm this kind of quiet, gentle soul who's like, you know, always reflecting on things and everything. So I think it was like, that's just a constant with her, you know? I, I, that was one part of, like, that I really saw myself in her, too, was, like, I, I have the same really bad habit of, like, when people tell me not to do something, it's like, well, who the fuck are you to tell me that? <laughs> so then I do it even more, you know, like, I hate when, <laughs> this is a really small example, but it's, it's a very big one to me, but, like, people don't like swearing, believe it or not. I swear regularly all the time. And so when people tell me not to swear, it just like, it just like infuriates me for like a moment where I'm like, what? Like, get over your little sensitivities, you know, like it's a word. Granted, like there's time and a place for everything. Yeah. Like one time I was at a bar singing karaoke and I was cussing and somebody was like, can you not cuss? You're upsetting me. And I'm like, you're in a bar. (laughs) Like, I don't know. But she does that too, where, where she talks about how when people come after her, her instinct is to just go after them even more. Yeah. And I feel bad because that's, that's what I do. And it's like, deep down, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I think that all the time where I'm just like, 
ugh, why did I do that? Or why did I think that? Or whatever. But it's like so ingrained, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Mm. Um, I had some conflicting notes that I thought was funny, but I, I say, you know, I, I wrote here, We see, obviously we see everything from her, her uh, point of view. So naturally, like, I think we're going to sympathize with her a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I, I wrote at the top, I said, how I think it's safe to say that adults do have a bad tendency to treat kids as though they aren't there. And then later on, I, I think I wrote in my notes, like, well, like, Anne Frank is a little bitch sometimes, you know? Like, <laughs> um, but it is interesting. I think it captures, really encapsulates, like, what a lot of, like, my early teenage years felt like. Where they do treat you like mm. you're not there. Yeah. And they're talking about adult things, and they don't want to clue you in. Like, I did, one small example, I remember 9-11 and going to school, and they're like, oh, we can't talk about that with you guys. That's way above your head. And it's like, I just watched people jump out of a building on the news today, and you're going to tell me, like, we can't talk about it? Yeah. And, you know, they did that same thing with her. It's like, well, that book is way above you. Yeah. Could you imagine an adult saying that nowadays? I almost laughed one time when a teacher told me that a book was, like, had two adult subject matter. When I was, like, a freshman in high school, I was like, what? (laughs) Really? Like, a yeah. book is a good... You know, it, what do you guys think about that? I know this is unrelated, but we're a book club podcast. What do you guys think... You mean about that, telling kids what they can and can't read? Right. I mean, me and Bailey get into arguments about this sometimes, about, like, raising our potential future children, that, well, there are books that I don't want to put those ideas into my children's head. Like, right right away. Like, I'm not saying ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a, a level of maturity. I don't know. There, there's something to be said for just letting your kids kind of explore on their own. And I think finding... a book is a very safe place to yeah, do Yeah, I would think so too. For us, it's probably more like movies. And like for me as a kid, if I would have watched a horror movie, it would have freaked me out, you know? And so my parents wouldn't let me watch them. But then, then I also had experiences where I watched them and found out that I didn't like them. So I drew that boundary for myself, but I don't know. I was trying to think of an example of a book that Bailey was like, you read that as a kid? You know, I mean, I granted, I didn't really start reading until like seventh or eighth grade. Um, I, th- I thought reading was stupid before then. And the first book I ever read was like a full on adult, like epic fantasy with like graphic sex scenes and graphic violence scenes. But it's different when you're reading it on a page. You know what I mean? It's not like porno with a giant yeah. rigid penis you know everywhere or whatever it's i mean it's words on a page yeah and so i'm always interested to see like where people draw the line on that it's like granted like i wouldn't want like a nine-year-old reading that book but like i think i was like maybe 12 or 13 when i first read that Mm -hmm. and like a lot of people would say that that was irresponsible of my parents i think that I, I think there still has to be a very strong line about what people can and can't read at a certain age. I, I'm sure we probably have it too late. Like, it's probably people already earlier. When I think yeah. back to myself as an independent being that had complex thoughts, I think about sixth grade. Me too. So, being like 11, 12, and as a time when all of a sudden I was awake to the world and I wanted to know things. Yeah. And then I probably could have handled, handled some of it. But yeah, you graphic violence to a five-year-old 
maybe not good or you and could be more damaging than informing so it is there's definitely a balance and you don't expose too much but i think that but even in there comes a time just like like, in text you mean graphic violence in text or like on a video game or a movie yeah i think even like a stephen king book yeah it's like a six-year-old well i could see like i could see like there's a lot of mystery books that get very suspenseful and scary. Yeah. Like, I've read several books, I can't think of any off the top of my head, that have actually, like, kind of scared me. Oh, and God, it put, yeah. it put me into this mind where, almost like a horror movie does, where you think there's evil out in the world. Yeah. And, you know, so... I can definitely see putting age restrictions on certain books, but I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember the book in particular we were talking about, but I remember, like... There's one right over here called Station Eleven, which if you guys haven't read it, it's single-handedly one of the most beautiful novels I've ever read mm-hmm. about a plague that comes and kills everyone. And the people who survive are beyond lucky. Mm. It's like a 99% mortality rate. Civilization falls. There's no electricity. There's no anything. In fact, the opening part of the book is there's no more anything that we have nowadays. And then the majority of the book takes place 20 years afterwards. It's not about it happening, although granted, we follow these characters through their mundane lives and then into this cataclysmic event. It's the only book that's ever made me feel like truly lonely. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt pretty lonely reading this. Uh, yeah, I did too a couple times. The Road? Have you read The Road? Oh, the God. Road is um, that's yeah, another way one. depressing. Yeah. Way more depressing than Station Eleven. Station Eleven actually has a little bit of hope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, The Road has none of that. Um, anyway, not to... Not to fall off the wagon there, but I, I wonder, is there an age that's too young to read Anne Frank? Truly, I don't think I would have appreciated it if I had read it in high school. Yeah, that's I, that's like another side of the question. of Is it, are you too young so it will damage you? Or are you too young so you won't understand it? Yeah. I don't think I would have gotten a ton of the, out of this book at like 15. Yeah, I, 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 I probably would have thought it was have, pretty boring. Yeah. I would have... and. F- in fact, I can imagine my life being very different if I had read it at 15. Huh. You know, I mean, the truth is, I did, I did a lot of growing up between 15 and now. I mean, that was 12 years ago, but um, it's interesting to think, like, how insensitive I was back then. Mm-hmm. I don't recall ever truly being sensitive until I started dating Bailey. Mm-hmm. She used to call me out on my bullshit all the time. Mm-hmm. She was like, don't you have any opinion on other people's feelings and i remember like thinking like why would that matter (laughs) you know and then slowly but surely it's like and granted there's a lot of shit that i should have been well more sensitive well before then but yeah but i think reading this book at this point in my life now i mean granted to me it feels like perfect timing like better late than ever i agree i could have probably stood to read this sooner but i didn't have even an appreciation for nonfiction until until this year Maybe, well, maybe last year. I read a few nonfiction books in the last few years, but ultimately, what, you know, I don't know. It was after reading Game of Thrones where I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, I love fantasy and world building and all this stuff. And then I started reading history books and I was like, fantasy has nothing on real life. <laughs> like every story we've ever read in a book has happened a thousand times yeah, on yeah. Earth, you know, like, and I, I don't know. It's just. Well, I was going to say too, like, imagine having read the whole piece about her and her and Peter's relationship without having been in a relationship or, yeah, you I know, agree. having kind of like that adolescent teen era, like fling. Yeah. But you it's know, this, so, 
It's not impossible to relate to. It's. I don't think it is, but I feel like you already kind of have felt a lot of those feelings, so it's kind of just like a timeless thing where it brings you back to what that was like, yeah. you know? And so it's just much more relatable. Something that reminded me of the way that, that those things made me feel, you know, because I... I was very happy, you know, and mm-hmm. her and Peter started courting a little bit. I, yeah, dude, you're always like, and I feel this way a lot about stories in general, and I don't know why, but like you start getting attached to a character and then you get attached to them, like finding their love. Yeah. And I totally mm-hmm. felt that way in this book too. Yeah. It was like, I was going to say the book that it, uh, reminded me of, of, of the other time that I felt like that was actually Name of the Wind. Like mm. there's a scene at the very end when he's like, the whole time he's describing... Have you read it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he's describing Dana and all this stuff. I had never been in an actual relationship when I, the first time I read that book. But I still could relate to, like, the crushes and all that sort of stuff. And this is, like, the closest I've ever come to, like, re-experiencing what I felt when I was reading mm-hmm. that. You know? Which is weird to say, but... Yeah. You know? It's just... There's something about that, like, teenage romance type stuff that's, like... It does. It brings you back, like... Yeah. Yeah, I, I think a lot... So I live in Washington D.C. now, and I went there when I was six, and I went there when I was eighteen, and then I lived there now. National community issues. National. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I mean, every experience, I got something different. I think as a kid, it was fun. I got to see these big buildings. I don't remember any of it. As a teenager, it was also fun. I met a lot of cool people. But then now as an adult, I've like really gotten, you know, I can go to the African American History Museum and think about books I've read and think about people I've met and think about all these experiences and it kind of like means something. And I'll probably go again when I'm 45 and it and means something mean, totally different. You know, maybe I'm married to a black woman. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so, you know, like, yeah, you and like so I, Robert De Niro. Yeah. yeah because I don't, he's married to a black woman. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but I think that. It's like, that's why kind of this conversation about when to, when to give things to kids is a little iffy because maybe you would have gotten something to this at 15, but then you still going back would have gotten way more now. And maybe when you're 45, you read it again and you're like, it's definitely oh. a book I'm going to read again. Yeah. yeah not immediately, yeah. but I, don't, I, just... I can, I can see it feel like to like you're going back to, to your old friend. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just wish she was alive. Her. Well, yeah, imagine having kids and then reading this book and thinking about, oh, maybe my kids it's, are thinking this and I need to be... Well, and you could also... Then you're putting your your mind in the minds of, like, her parents instead. Exactly, yeah, yeah. rather than her. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know... Yeah, that's such a common theme, and I was thinking that a lot while reading this, about this idea about adults, like, forgetting what it's like to be kids. Yeah. Like... I feel like a kid now still. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I have these moments where I'm like, oh, shit, I'm an adult. <laughs> like, I was scheduling like, a dentist appointment, and I was like, what? <laughs> you know, or like, I don't know, what was it? I was, like, buying something. Like, I think, like, for the first time ever in my life, I, like, had bought some bleach. I was like, <laughs> is this the sign that I'm an adult now? Yeah. My friend in comedy does a joke about, well, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's inappropriate for the podcast, but... You can. O- you're the only <laughs> yeah, one that can decide. That we don't know the joke. Well, it's just okay. I'll tell. I'll tell you the joke. But he has this I great hope- joke about about when he realized he was an adult, and there was like a couple factors. Like one of which was like he's like, yeah, the first time I just like got a hotel room near the airport rather than waking up at two thirty to make it there for my flight on time. He's like, yeah. I- one of the signs I was becoming an adult. And he has a couple of other things. But then the final one, and he goes, 
But the time I think that really sealed it in when I became an adult was when I didn't even negotiate the going price of a hand job from the escort, you know, down the road or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You had to hear him deliver it. <laughs> um, Anyways. <laughs> yeah. I can edit that out. <laughs> if you guys don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Um... So, going back chronologically, now that we've covered the dating... (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Yeah, what are your notes saying? I I think I made a mistake of not taking notes, honestly. There's a lot of, like, feelings and things that I remember thinking about while reading this book, but I can't recall many of them, so... Yeah. I don't know. That's not something that I've done a lot in my life, too, is taking notes while reading, unless I was, like, studying for a test. And so, it did make the book a lot more enjoyable. But... I think one of the most adult things that she does is constantly... Constantly trying to reconcile her perceived... The the perceived failings of her mother Mm -hmm. with her own feelings of inferiority and, and things like that, like... I think it's yeah, one of the most she... interesting things because I think about my parents' failings like all the time. And I think like one of the advantages, you know, we, you and I talk about, um, our upbringing quite often mm-hmm. and how dissimilar they were in a way. Yeah. You know, you had a little bit more of a rigid upbringing than I did. And I don't know how often you questioned like your parents as a young man. Like Not... when did you start? <laughs> Not often. Probably, honestly, like, college age. I was going to say, like, I even remember you as a freshman, like, just like, you know, like, your mom didn't want you to go camping or something as a freshman in college. And yeah. that led to, like, a 90-minute, like, you know, discussion. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry if your parents are listening to this, but from an outsider's perspective, um, I thought about my parents' failings all the time. And my parents' failings are a little bit more obvious from the outside, you know, like, like my mom went to jail. You know, like, my mom made a lot of mistakes um, mm. in my childhood and has always, always tried to make up for them. But, you know, granted, like, it's fine. You're not going to be able to make up for it. But so I think about that a lot, like, in terms of, well, I have no idea where I was going with this, but well, it's, so... but it's one of the most, it's also very relatable, like, yeah. in that sense, it's like. Her parents are just human, and they are trying their best. Yeah. And she favors her dad more than her mom. Yeah. But well, why? Because... She, she goes to the extent of basically saying, like, her dad is one of the only people she can love mm-hmm. to I think her mom. Maybe, her mom yeah. basically, like, she not she didn't even really care that her mom existed, basically. Yeah. Like, she she thought she was pretty worthless. And I, and I wonder how mm-hmm. accurate her transcription of events was, like, when... Remember the scene where... She denied wanting to say evening prayers with her mom because she only did it with her dad. And her mom oh, was right. just, like, destroyed by that. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, if the transcription of events is accurate, which is probably not because she's, you know, I mean, she was very, very plain in some of these things that she reported to us. Mm-hmm. So I doubt that she, like, embellished the details. Like, maybe she made it sound a little less scathing than it actually was. But, like, her mom was just destroyed by that. And on one hand, I was like, and you're being melodramatic. But on the other hand, I'm like, your mom's the adult in the situation, too. Hmm. Like, I don't know. It's hard when you throw in, I think, it, like, the variable of them all being in the same place yeah. constantly. I note that every time. Yeah. Because it's so, 
I think about struggles I have with my parents around that age. It's a volatile time, 12 to 14. Holy cow. Yeah. For a lot of people, a lot of things happen. I was fighting with my dad all the time and my mom around yeah. that age. So that to was, think that yeah. then you can't get away. You Maybe you have your writing desk in your room a little bit, but you're not ever going to eat dinner somewhere else. You're eating three yeah. meals a day with your family. You're always with them all the time. So well. Yeah. I think that it makes some of them more powerful and extreme and awful because you just there's no escape. And it's even worse for her. I mean, they're in hiding for one, but then also like she's rooming with Mister Dussel, who who doesn't let her use the desk to write on basically ever. Which yeah, when I read know? that scene, I, at one point I threw my book across the room and I was just like, "Fuck you, Mister Dussel!" <laughs> uh, because I've been there. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like I remember. You know, and... Well, he talks down to her. He's like, basically like, what could you possibly be writing that would be more meaningful than somebody who has a developed conscious like me? What a or whatever. You know what I mean? And we're reading her words like, just like, nobody yeah. has a more developed consciousness than yeah. than she does. Yeah. Like, she's such a bright spark. Like, yeah. And what's amazing is like, I, I thoroughly believe that everybody is that deep. But mm. how? But it all comes down to our ability to convey it, our ability to translate our thoughts into words to other people. Yeah, we all have deep thoughts, but some people just don't have the means of conveying that as well as others do. Mm. And I love, I love your description of her as a bright spark, dude. She is. She is just so full of life and joy. Not necessarily joy, but just. I mean, sometimes I think about people people's personality and, and effect is like an energy that they're giving off. Yeah. And she's just giving off a lot. She's yeah. like, I have all this to offer. She is it's overwhelming. Yeah. You know, it's like blinding. It's so great. And she, it's truly is like, dude, and it's like, she's so full of, you know, this like vibrant life and these deep thoughts. And yeah, she just radiates that. Yeah. Uh, she's a freaking little firecracker. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's amazing. I mean, she's, I mean, she writes it herself multiple times. That she's like, I absolutely know that, like, I'm right in this, you know? Yeah. Even though, like, come on, you might not be. You might not be. I kind of tend You're to side 13. with her because, well, I recall being that way as yeah. a young man. So I recall being that way now sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I just, just kind of taking the subject to the beginning and thinking about, getting set in in the scene I think that I love the map and the description of the place where they were saying I read that like four times because I really wanted to get in my head what, yeah, what I, everything was going on that's, and that's interesting yeah and because it was a little hard to follow and I always find it hard to follow descriptions of like detailed places for whatever reason but then she I think she starts off her time pretty slowly like, she writes about the map and then doesn't write for a month. Yeah. yeah. And I think she's just so sad to be there. I think it takes her a while to get used to it and to adjust. And then, but for most of that early time, she's just like, why the hell are we here? You know? Yeah. What? Well, like, isn't that kind of around the time, too, where she has like this page full of like the shopping list and how much everything uh, costs, you know? I mean, I don't know if it's the exact same time, but it's kind of like some. It's really funny how sometimes she is like so heartfelt, and yeah. then other times it's like, "Well, I'd like to buy these shoes that are like yeah. fifty coffers or whatever they said." Yeah. Florence, 
Florence. Did they say Florence? I don't oh, know. I don't if know. Mine, did. mine says Florence. I don't know. Well, now I have no idea. Go- Goebbels, right? Mm. Isn't that what they s- something like that? I'm pretty sure mine even has notes about how to translate Florence into U.S. currency. Gilders. That's oh, what yeah. mine says. Gilders. I remember Gilders. Converted into Swiss Swiss money. But I'll call them Gilders. Anyways. Huh. Yeah. I think mine was Florence, but... Um... Sorry, I... No, I... Your train of thought. No, I... Th- it's... What's amazing? Oh, sorry. No, I, I think that it's kind of like... I did like some of the pieces when it was more just, what are we doing here? What's our daily routine? Yeah. What's our morning routine? Yeah, when she has lunch, that section... Dinner. I think it's... A- near the end of the first year, somewhere in there, where she, like, literally dissects everybody's yeah. daily routine. Yeah. She talks about shitting in a pot, basically. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> I'm just like, you go, girl. I, th- I think that by doing some of that, it at times you're reading this and you forget about what situation they're in. Totally, it almost yeah. kind of feels like this, almost like Neverland kind of make-believe place. Yeah. You know? But that's what everybody's mind is. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, compartmentalization. Mm-hmm. I think about that all the time about horrible things that like I've seen or whatever, or situations I've been in, just stressful situations, let's mm-hmm. say, with something on the horizon. It's like, you know, I think about this every time I'm doing one of my musicals. I get the music, and then here's the date we're rehearsing, and I'm just like, Oh God, I have all this work I have to do and I, I gotta, I gotta record like all these podcasts this week and I have to find time to practice and, and get ready for the show. Like, how am I gonna do that? This is screwed up. Well, I always have a little meltdown like that, but also I just like literally don't think about it ever, you know? That's how I like manage my stress in life is just like, yeah, it's not on the horizon. You know, I'm just, I'm just doing my thing. Hmm. Um, and you can see that I think that's, easy for her to do as well. Yeah. She compartmentalizes like the dire situation she's in by explaining the mundane details yeah. of their yeah. daily routine. Or... Sticking to that task at hand. But there are parts where she literally just like, there was a time where she described where her hands wouldn't stop shaking for two hours. Yeah. She's or, like, as I write this, you know, it was two hours ago and my hands are still shaking. Or she says like her strategy when the bombs and gunshots start going off is to start running up and down the stairs. And I don't know if you guys heard, read that I don't that remember part. that, but... But, yeah, she said that, she like... she gets in her dad's bed. <laughs> yeah. She said that, like, once the bombs go off, she starts, like, running up and down the stairs and just, like, paying attention to the sounds that, like, the stairs make when mm-hmm. she steps on them and stuff. It's like, whoa. That's the part I have a really hard time, try- like, relating to is, like, you know, when I was reading Games Without Rules which I think about in context of, like, everything that's happening with, like, Syria right now, and the fact that there's, like, still people who are living in, you know, like, Aleppo, even though, like, half the city is utterly destroyed. And it's, like, the same thing that was going on in Afghanistan back in the 80s. It's, like, all of these people had their homes just, like, you know, turned inside out, yet they're still living there. Mm-hmm. And they're living there while there's constant bombs going off and gunfire happening and planes flying overhead. How horrible. Yeah. And, like, we live in this place where, like, nothing like that's ever happened. Mm. You know, there have been battles fought here, you know, like, is, you know, a lot of, like, the Modeg Wars and stuff. Do you guys ever hear about that, like, in Oregon? Mm-mm. Just, like, one of the last big battles that white people had with Native Americans, you know, happened here in Oregon. Mm. And, uh, you know, I don't know, there's stuff like that, but... Like, how lucky are we to have lived our whole lives in a place that's, like, 
you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I thought about that a lot too. Like, not only was it lucky that they, they made it into hiding, but it's also lucky that with all those bombs and everything going off, that their house facility or whatever just wasn't it blown just up. Hit. Yeah, yeah, it could have just been hit. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. I, uh, I looked up a picture because uh, she says when she's talking about Mr. Dessel or whatever his real name is. Sorry for not using it, but mine when, does. My book does have pictures. If you guys want to look through them, if well, you don't have any. well, I just I looked up a picture because she quotes it. Uh, it was a picture called "A Quack at Work" from the Middle Ages, and she says, "Oh, when Mr. Dussel was working on whoever's teeth it was, it reminded me of a picture from the Middle Ages called a Qua- a Quack at Work." Oh. Uh, and I found this picture, and I have no idea why it reminds her, but there it is. You can pass it over to Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, she, I mean, she doesn't have a ton of high opinions for the people. <laughs> yeah. She's Especially in. Mr. Dussel and Mrs. Van Dan. Yeah, and her mom. And her mom, yeah. too. It is, I feel like at the beginning, her stories are all, uh, or nearing the middle. It's just a lot of fights. Yeah. As people are adjusting to living in this close proximity. Well, yeah. and she needs a place to vent, so it makes sense that she would do it in her diary. Right? Yeah. It definitely takes a, a big turn after the second year. Like, especially, like, I don't know, once you start getting closer to, like, y- you know, I think it's, like, after Hanukkah and all that sort of stuff, and then it gets into, like, the last year before, you know, before that she died. What year was that, 44? I don't I think know. she died in 45. Oh, okay. But they, but, yeah, but they, they were... they captured her in 44. Yeah. Um... But everything starts getting, like, a lot darker. Um, I've got, got a couple quotes here. And how very mature of her to, like, recognize it and be thankful for it. But, you know, it's a, she wrote, We don't have a single quiet night. I've got dark rings under my eyes from lack of sleep. Um, um, you know, and then they're, like, running out of food and all this stuff. But then she reminds herself, It is a paradise compared with how other Jews who are not hiding must be living. And I think, you know, my last thing I said is that even after just a year, her growth as a human being is just phenomenal. She's, I think it's safe to say that early on in her diary, like she's a little spoiled, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. uh, like her life in Amsterdam before going into hiding and all that stuff. It's, it's like, you know. She's not wanting. She, I think she even talks later on about how she always had pocket money and always had friends to bicker with and things to do and boyfriends chasing after her. Um, but then later on, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I say uh, she's a bit spoiled early on. She's a young woman with the assurance that she is right in almost every way, <laughs> which I think we all are. You know, uh, what's his name? Um, Mark Twain. He has one of my favorite quotes, which is, you know, at 18... I was just flabbergasted by how stupid my father was. And at 21, I was astounded by how much he, he learned since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, the truth is, is like, his dad didn't learn, obviously. Yeah. He learned yeah. that his dad wasn't a stupid <laughs> idiot. Um, by the end of the first year, she grows up and she laughs at things that annoyed her early on. She goes from like being really irritable to being able to laugh off a lot of things. And she even mentions though, like how a lot of it, she has no other option, but to make a joke or whatever. But a lot of, a lot of her reactions to things, I think become a lot more earnest. She's able to just shrug it off. Um, 
And she also analyzes things way differently and like way more in depth. Mm. And she be also her like prose becomes like a little bit more poetic in a way too. Like she describes things like way more metaphorically and poetically than later on. Mm -hmm. Um, and I say it, but as time goes on, she learns, uh, I, she gains the penultimate sign of an adult managing to keep your mouth shut on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, it's fun. I'm just reading a section where she starts getting into ballet and kind of makes her own shoes and dress oh, right, and is yeah. doing all these stretches. Yeah. And yeah. I just wrote down, she seems older. <laughs> and even she's talking about her mom there and she's saying, well, you know, she probably couldn't have seen any other relationships in her life that would help her know how to do this better. And I'm glad she's, I'm glad I could vent in this journal and not to her face. And so she doesn't yeah. have to carry those words in her heart. It can mm -hmm. just be. I think that's the biggest part of her growth is like how much she's able to commit her reflection to the page. Also, I'm so sorry, but one thing I've been meaning to say this whole time is her diary is the perfect example for any wannabe writer out there that all you have to do to get better at writing is write all the time. <laughs> she gets so good at writing yeah, ladies. Yeah. Um, but what was I saying? Sorry. I don't know. Sorry. Listener, this is an unorthodox uh, example of our podcast, but we're all here in the same room, and so <laughs> thoughts are flying everywhere. Yeah. And we've talked about trying to go chronologically, but... So, I'm kind of wondering a little bit about what you guys feel you you missed in reading. Like, I know, I know that the versions you read were, like, edited yeah. a little bit, and I'm not fully certain of all the things that I... I got over what you guys got. Um, but I don't know if you thought it'd be interesting to talk about that. That's great. I know for sure we, I missed the sexual things <laughs> that were not that I'm interested in that necessarily, yeah. but I, I kind of was waiting for her, she, her to explore that part of her life a little mm -hmm. more. Yeah. And I know that Red had talked about it being in the unedited version, but I'll, it wasn't uh, in mine. I'll openly say that like, human sexuality in general is like probably one of the most interesting things to me. Hmm. And I think it's because people don't ever talk about it. Yeah. It's this taboo thing, but we all experience it. And for some reason, some of us have shame about it and some of us don't. And it all stems from our upbringing. And to me, it's, I think it's like one of the saddest parts about the diary is that like, her father, when putting it together, was, like, unable to accept his own daughter as, like, a human being with those types of feelings and emotions. Yeah. You know, and granted, like, she's a little girl, but yeah. we all had those same thoughts and wonders as 13 and 14-year-olds. We all did. Yeah. So maybe some people started later than others, but I definitely had thoughts on sexuality and, and all that stuff, like, by the age of seven. Mm. Like, easily. And the fact that it's something that, like, you know, I remember, like, trying to ask questions about it to, like, teachers or parents or whatever, and nobody wanted to talk about it. <laughs> and then you get thrown into this dumb sex ed class where, like, literally doesn't answer any of your yeah. questions, mm -hmm. you know? Well, that was, I don't know if you guys got this, but that was something that was kind of funny when she was meeting with Peter all the time. They were, she was, so every night she was, yeah. like, going up to his room in, like, the attic. And he shows basically. her the cat's genitals. Yeah. So he does that. He shows... She didn't really know what, like, a penis looked like or yeah. whatever. And so he 
uh, she thought that the cat was like a girl or something, and he's like, no, 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 it's a boy. Yeah. Like, look, and there's just balls. Yeah, she showed, <laughs> um, which I thought was really funny. But then she like even in my version at least, she even like in one of the entries literally just describes her vagina, her vagina, hmm. like in depth. Yeah, like this is what a vagina is. This is what you know, like the cervix is, and hmm. like and and my and, favorite line from it is she's like. I, she's like, the opening is so small, I can't hardly imagine any, like how a man's supposed to fit in there, let alone a baby comes out. Like yeah. I'm like, well, oh my god, like, good she, for you, girl. She hmm. describes like how how she um, didn't know like where pee came out and stuff. Hmm. Like you know, and then she's like, but Peter, Peter wouldn't know any of this either. Like Peter does. I'm sure he doesn't even like doesn't know what it looks like or anything, you know? Yeah. And so, and she, like, at one point was talking about uh, just being able to, like, talk to Peter about, yeah, like, sex and what it is and what sexual organs are like. Yeah. It's like this breakthrough for her, you know, mm-hmm. which See, is kind of interesting. And I, and I looked it up because it wasn't in my book, okay. but, um, but yeah, she she goes on to say about like how thankful she was too that like Peter could describe it like so like matter of fact. Yeah, 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 he didn't care. It wasn't like he had to laugh. But about here's it. the thing: I think that he that was like a defense mechanism. Think back to when you're a young man interested in a young woman, oh. and they start asking you those types of things. Yeah, you don't. I wanna... always reverted to clinical. Yeah, you don't want to sound like the. Uh, immature kid laughing at it because I grew up hate despising a lot of boys in our school because of their like douchiness about that type of stuff mm, like yeah. I'll just say it there's this kid that we all went to school with named Jared who was in my class who in my opinion kind of a piece of shit maybe not anymore I've talked to him in adult years and he seems fine but he was like always so like forward in all of the wrong ways about sexual stuff with girls and it like offended me to watch you know what i mean and at one point he like jerked off into a condom and like tied it up and put it into a girl's pocket and i just wanted to punch him in the balls so hard and so i grew up like never wanting to be like that so like whenever i had conversations with girls or whatever about that type of stuff i always reverted to like clinical or like matter of fact like i think that's i'm the mature one you know (laughs) Yeah, I think that's safe. But it's funny because I think that that's what Peter is. I was thinking that the whole time. Like, <laughs> during that whole position, I'm trying to put myself in Peter's shoes. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Because it's yeah. hard. It's easy to relate to Anne because she puts it all on paper right yeah. there. Yeah. But at the same time, I still am baffled by how women think sometimes, <laughs> you know. Um, Another thing that I thought was really interesting that you guys maybe not maybe wasn't in your copy was she does talk about like masturbation basically yeah and like trying it out yeah but she also talks about basically being um attracted to the female form yes and how beautiful a woman's body is and how she even at one point like she was really good friends with a girl and she like asked the girl if to to prove their friendship to one another, they could, like, kiss each other and feel each other's bodies. Mm. And yeah. the other girl, like, turned her down and, and was, like, kind of uh, upset about it. Yeah. But so she had kind of these, like, maybe it was just 
she was uncertain about things. Like she didn't. I think you know, she's she just. Was, she I just she's wanted just... to like explore and right. you know, learn about things, but maybe I don't know. I think that she was just growing and developing. Yeah. And whether or not you construe that as like her just being flat out bisexual, like maybe. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. Like uh, me and Taylor have talked about this about a thousand times, but of course, there's the scale that oh. <laughs> measures a person's um, sexual sexual preference, I guess. It's Isn't called the Kinsey, Kinsey scale. scale. Oh, yeah, Kinsey. And it goes from zero to five or six. And, like, mm. I think three is, like, flatly 100% bisexual. You prefer men and women in equal portions. Now, whenever I take the survey, like, I'm always, like, a two. <laughs> but the thing is, is, like, I've never once ever not understood like my own sexual preference like i 100% flatly like prefer women so i always wonder where it comes from and it's like definitely like when i'm working in musical theater with a lot of like non-straight people you know i've had them ask me before like are you bisexual <laughs> and i don't know where they get it from but and i wouldn't say that i am i don't identify that way at all but it's interesting because the more different people I meet, the more I learn that, like, even people who are just flatly 100% homosexual have gone, went through phases where, like, they thought that they also preferred women at some point, you know, and then they grow up in there, or they get older, or they just become more honest with themselves or whatever, and they're like, oh, no, 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 that doesn't do it. Men for me, please, you know, or women for me, if you're a woman. So it's interesting, like, you know, who, what straight man among us, like, hasn't wondered like well how can i be 100 percent sure that i'm straight you know like what i mean like i i even me knowing full well that i 100 percent prefer women over men I, i've still tried to been like well am i certain like are there <laughs> signs that i prefer men and then the, you know i don't know you just you always wonder because hmm. that's just like what people do yeah i don't know i i found it first of all i found it shocking i maybe that's just me i found it shocking that well, that she was like exploring in that way, maybe because, exploring like well bisexual. Yeah, okay. maybe maybe because I'm like framing it in this time or something. But mm. also, like I just didn't expect it to be in the book. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's, um, it's interesting because so like, I, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I just sorry. found it fascinating that 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 came up and she felt comfortable like writing about it. And well, she felt comfortable um, writing about it because anything. she thought no one was yeah, going to read it. You know, think about all of your most inmost thoughts. I think this all the time. I have so many inmost thoughts that for some reason I would never share with people. But at the same time, I'm like, why? I know without a doubt that 99% of the world has shared those same thoughts. Mm, right. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get too inappropriate, yeah. but I, I, it's like, I have a version of a joke that I tell, and I think somebody, somebody's probably done a thousand versions of it, but it's like, you know, the joke, there, there's two types of people in the world, and the tame version of the joke is, people who pee in the shower and liars. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I think that a lot of people just aren't honest, or they, they, they have these inmost thoughts, and they've just reconciled the fact that they're never going to share them with people, yet when they speak it to people, it seems the truth, because it's the only thing they've ever said out loud. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can talk about this more off the air. How about that? <laughs> but yeah, I just... I just uh... um, it's interesting because one of the quotes that I grabbed about that 
March 6, 1944. I'm glad, after all, that the Van Dans have a son and not a daughter. After all, she's glad, right? What does yeah. that mean? My conquest could never have been so difficult, so beautiful, so good, if I had not happened to hit on someone of the opposite sex. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. To me, that um, hinted yeah. in my censored version of her bisexuality. But granted, I did look up all this stuff afterwards. I was like, damn it, where's all that stuff at? And I was talking about like yeah. unfolding it and like yeah. trying to find oh it's not ugh. It's beautiful, but not her, but <laughs> anyways. Yeah, I know. Actually she is quite a beautiful girl. I think that all the time when I was looking at the cover I was like not that in I'm... in my version they show like all of her uh pictures, like <laughs> school pictures, and I just found it once again, so relatable because in some of yeah. them she's blinking. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> like there's a picture of her like blinking and like did you, you guys know, um did you guys see the grade or something? Like <laughs> Did you guys see Whoa. the footage that she was in? No. There's one uh example of her being caught on film and she was watching her. When she was in her. hiding? No, no, oh, no, no. no. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, but some of those pictures, if you guys don't have a book that has pictures, it was very like Mine are all at the beginning. I don't know. I I enjoyed looking at them because, yeah, not only do they show pictures of the people, but they also show pictures of the place it, that they're the place that they're in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm just one of those people that when I read something, especially nonfiction, I like to see like what the people look like mm. and, yeah, you know, get to know a little bit about them. I did too. When I was reading Games Without Rules, I looked up all of the pictures, especially when they were oh, talking really? about all the famous pictures of the king and queen oh, when yeah. they went to Europe. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I have to see this. It, it just, it, I feel like it kind of, excuse me, it kind of like educates your mind and how it like generates that, that image, image yeah. in your head, yeah. you know? So... Oh, you gonna full play screen, this video? full screen unavailable. But yeah, here is a. You'll see her lean out of a window, oh. and this is the only footage of oh, Anne that's Frank. Her. Yep. Wow. Uh, huh. Isn't that amazing? She even moves the way I would think she would. <laughs> I like, like a little so, jerky. Yeah, so jerky and like. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, just does things without really like necessarily thinking about them. She just does it. <laughs> it's interesting to me too that she's like aware that she's, um, you know, like. A beautiful young person, too. Mm-hmm. You know, she talks about, like, her good looks sometimes. Yeah. What's interesting, you know, when she's talking about her daily routine, this blew me away, but, you know, they're talking about bathing and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, and I had to get the hydrogen peroxide to dye oh, my yeah. black mustache. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, man, like, something you don't think about. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, I'm sure a lot of girls read that and they're like, ah, yeah. 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 Well, you know, it's funny, like, Bailey talks about it all the time. She's like, I'm thankful that, like, all of my hair, like, hair is, like, light colored. Yeah. You know? Because it's, like, takes longer for people to notice. Like, she can go longer without shaving if she wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah. Something that she talks about with Peter, I thought was very relatable as a young teenager. Even, even nowadays, I think this, that... She says that when they were talking, you know, it was dark in the attic and that she felt like in those moments that she could talk about anything with him. Right. Yeah. It's like us three, we freaking gone out during summertime and laying on like a baseball field, like looking up at the stars, (laughs) talking about the meaning of life. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Dude, it's crazy. The things that that you think you could talk about when When it's it's just dark. dark. You're this disembodied consciousness. Like, it's just, 
Yeah, think about all this time you had like sleepovers or whatever. Yeah, and all the shit you talk about yeah, with you everybody, like, it's really like deep conversations. Yeah, com- like unparalleled depth. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's just crazy. Yeah, I I thought about that too, and she totally like. I think about that as like she was feeling right in the moment, kind of, and like not worrying about anything else, kind of, and yeah. because it's like dark and serene and she's able to look out the window and, and especially at that point she like they were always closing the windows and they had to hide like the curtains had to be closed and everything yeah. and at those moments like she was able to open the window and like feel fresh air it was like yeah. so yeah. freeing for her you know and she even she talks about that a lot um like just missing nature mm-hmm. and how like anyone everywhere was more free than her because everyone had access to like watching nature Mm. it was such a interesting thought you know and i don't think about that much because i stay inside a lot but it is something when you when you go out in nature and you like look up at the night sky you just feel different Mm -hmm. you know and she completely missed that so i i it was really relatable when she was talking about how just she felt comfortable up there when the lights are out and she's able to kind of like be as close to nature as she ha- had been in a long time. You know, you, you know, what's interesting though, is like how she hits on something that is like very scientifically prevalent today. Like, you know, there's lots of studies about ADD and all that sort of stuff. And that a 20 minute walk through a park a day seems to have just as much impact on certain attention disorders as medication does. Hmm. And it's something they talk about all the time is like people living in cities, you know, cause you're breathing in like all the rubber from the tires and the pollutants from the cars and, and all of these things. And, you know, living in a city is great cause there's stuff going on and there's like a whole other life to it. But people know deep down that like you need to be able to connect with nature in a way as well. It's not enough to be surrounded by concrete and steel all the time. Yeah. And I think it's something that deep down a lot of people understand and she knew it. And now it's like this weird scientific debate that like people have. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, why? We all know. She knows. Yeah. She's a kid. Healthy, you know? Yeah. guys thanks for sticking with us through this episode uh, as we discussed the diary of a young girl by Anne frank of course you can find the other episodes in this discussion the same place that you found this one be at airpodcast.com or itunes or whatever your favorite podcast platform might be i want to give you a really quick reminder that if you want to join our conversation you can do so over on twitter we are at awesome book club or if you want to write us a letter or send us an email you can do so abc at airpodcast.com and one more thing guys if you have the time and you're so inclined we really appreciate it if you could go on itunes or whatever your your podcast platform is and leave us a rating and leave us a review and and give us some honest feedback if there's something you think we can work on let us know and we'll do our best to, to address that we really appreciate it guys we hope you enjoy the other episodes as well